0: Hello, hello, hello. This is a pastor's newspaper A podcast up in you read the news with the Bible in your hand. And I didn't mention my name, but I am Dr. Castro and it's good to be with you and, uh, want to, um, this, this story kind of, um, came out this week, early this week, and it's very important issue and I wanted to talk about it uh, before the Christmas break and, uh, if you haven't heard on December the 17th, uh, Pope Francis, um, released a very important document or announcement. Um, and there's some, there's some Latin terminology that, um, uh, I will explain, uh, to you and to kind of help you understand why this is so important. But, um, really, you know, when we think about Catholic doctrine and Catholic views and, um, Catholic practices, which is, you know, we're talking, if you think about the establishment of the, of the Catholic church or the Roman Catholic church, you have to go back to the fourth century. So we're talking about 50 plus more than 1500 years of traditions and history. And this is, this event to this week really does change um how the church has practiced on and viewed homosexuality but a fiducia supplicand which is a document dec- dec- declaration from the Vatican's uh doctrine of the faith uh, this was approved by Pope Francis and it announced that priests can now bless same-sex couples Um, and while Pope Francis is saying that this doesn't change the dogma or doctrine of the Catholic church on marriage, they still believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. However, for the purpose of pastoring and caring for people in the church, they are now, priests are now allowed to bless So there's a difference between bless and uh, facilitate a marriage for same-sex couples, but they can bless same-sex couples, which I guess you can also say that they can now give communion to same-sex couples, but they can actually bless same-sex couples. And um, and really the, the church is aligning with Pope Francis. Pope Francis' fatherly and pastoral approach. And really, this wasn't a, it's a surprise, it's a shocker, but this has been years in the making because Pope Francis is, is in comparison to Pope Benedict and other popes that come before him, is quite liberal and not well-liked by the diocese, and especially in America where those, the American Catholic Church and a lot of the 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 high up bishops within the catholic church in america are, are quite conservative and have been very critical of pope francis and this has led them to be continuous to be critical of pope francis and his views and especially on his views on homosexuality and you see this issue and, and i want to bring up we we talked about this uh, about several months ago about um um, Andy Stanley and a similar issue. Obviously he's not Catholic, but a pastor of a prominent evangelical Protestant church in Atlanta on really the separation of doctrine and biblical truth and ethics and pastoral um, counseling and care. And really you see this division or separation between doctrine and ethics and practice. And really what you see the Catholic church is Pope Francis is saying, well, the Bible says homosexuality is a sin, but in the area of practice and ethics and pastoral approach, uh, we think it's best to bless same sex couples. And really Andy Stanley is saying a similar thing. And you, you see, then there's a really what they're affirming is there's a, a clear division between God's agenda and the church's agenda or a pastor's agenda where they clearly would say that the Bible is against homosexuality. Therefore God's against homosexuality, but the church should accommodate, you know, people's uh, individual decisions, people's individual autonomy, and the church should bless should support those decisions that are against God's word, and so the Catholic Church is is joining that, which is very concerning. And um, and I think another you know way, I, I kind of said this on the on the beginning why this is such a significant moment in the history of the Catholic Church in particular is because of the weight of the of uh, the opinion and declarations of popes, you know, if you don't understand the way that the Catholic Church is structured, is is you 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 know the you have a hierarchical system, and the the Pope is the Victor of Christ on Earth. So there's a lot of power and authority given to the Pope and Vatican. And you know, if you ever wondered like, why do Catholics worship Mary? Why is there such a an, um, a reverence for Mary and the Immaculate Conception of Mary was was declared doctrine in 1854 by Pope Pius IX. And it's become now the church's views on Mary, even though there was no scriptural argument for the divinity of Mary or her sinlessness and the way that she is now placed in the hierarchy of, you know, Christ, the son, Jesus, the son of God, and then Mary, the mother of God, and then the the church, um, why she's given that role and that, that providence is not, there is no scriptural argument being made by Pope Pius the ninth in 1854. He just declared it to be true. And if you know, anything about the Catholic church, you know how important Mary is. I mean, these, (laughs) the, I always like to say this, the university, right? The Notre Dame, the Catholic school, Notre Dame, the Holy mother and the importance of Mary to the Catholic church and their understanding of who to ask forgiveness to, who to pray to. Mary is a part of that. And so that is there was no scriptural argument made, and that's why the Reformation and Martin Luther and the reformers argued strongly for Scripture alone, sola scriptura, that the Scripture alone has authority, not the Pope. And you see, in 1854, when the Pope has the authority that he has, the the damage it can do to the Church. And so we see, again, now in 2023 with Pope Francis, his declaration, his, there's no argument being made from scripture, but the Pope, you know, ex cathedra, you know, sitting on the throne of over the church on earth, Christ, their view, Christ giving that authority to the Pope, which the scriptures does not affirm. And now he's declaring that, Priests can and should and ought to bless same-sex couples. Now, they're what they're doing is is that you know while it's you, you think well the Catholic Church it's a it's a sort of spiritual institution, it is also a political institution. It it knows how to spin things with a with a, with a nice PR brush you know, they're, they're clearly saying that, um, in their declaration that yes, you can bless same sex couples, but we don't, um, we don't allow you to affirm same sex marriage. You should not, um, facilitate or, um, administrate or minister a same sex, uh, marriage or wedding ceremony. But like, how do you distinguish a ceremony of blessing but then not call it a wedding or an affirmation of that as a legitimate marriage, which as if you know much about the last few years was an issue in Germany. You had priests in Germany, basically affirming gay marriage and doing it outside the affirmation of the Vatican, but they didn't get punished. And now Pope Francis is saying you can bless same sex couples saying it's the proper pastoral thing to do even though our doctrines not changing our views on what marriage is is not changing however for the purpose of accommodating people and and pastoral um care and counseling we're going to allow you to bless them which is by definition saying you're affirming it and saying it's okay like and I think you know with the issues they, the the Catholic structure and the Catholic views are so damaging because there's nowhere in scripture that gives one man on earth that much authority over the church. And we see clearly in Paul's letters in particular, that Paul planted churches and, and, and commissioned the churches to appoint elders to govern over the church. Um, and to, and to lead the church and to shepherd over the church, but the God's word, Christ, Jesus, his teachings, the word of God is the authority in the church. It's the authority over the church. Christ is the, the head over the church. There's no, there's no under There's no, uh, the, the, the view or the idea of the, the Pope or the role of the Pope is so against what scripture says that, um, this is the, this is the damaging consequences of that structure. Pap, the, the episcopacy structure of the the bishop or the of the or the, of the over the church that's one Bishop over the church and he gets the rule over the church is just not in the New Testament. Paul didn't see himself as a the victor of Christ or the the bishop over the church I mean even when we see that the disagreements in the church over circumcision what do we see? You see the church in Jerusalem and James and the other apostles calling leaders of the church to Jerusalem, and they decided the matter together and then communicated it to the rest of the church. Not one person just dictating what is right and what is wrong based on their own view. What we see here, Francis obviously believes that same-sex couples is not sinful. It's not wrong. And therefore he has, uh, in a very sneaky, subtle way over time has moved the church to this point where now it's able to declare that priests can now bless same sex couples. And I think, you know, one of the few articles on this and the world magazine, um, had several articles on this. And one that I would kind of point you to is Andrew Walker's, uh, ethics must adorn our doctrine when he, he just, he kind of just compared Andy Stanley to Pope Francis. And that's, it's quite similar. What, what we're seeing with, you know, in some of these ev- evangelical Protestant churches on, you know, same sex couples and, and gay marriage and what we see now with the Catholic church and what Andrew Walker, um, addresses and points out is again, the separation of doctrine and ethics or what we believe and how we act. And the Bible doesn't just dis- doesn't cut those apart. It doesn't separate those two things. Nowhere in scriptures does it say, believe this, but then go do something counter to what you believe. And which by definition is double-minded, which the Bible clearly says is wrong. And the fool is double-minded, but yet we see with Andy Stanley, we see with Pope Francis, this double-mindedness, which is confusing. And the Bible is not confusing. God is not confusing. God is clear. His word is clear. It's, 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 it's there for us to, to to know and to understand. So to create this division would be would be confusing, and double-minded. Paul says, and Andrew Walker addresses this and, and, and kind of focused on this passage in Titus chapter two, 11 through 14, which helps us to understand that what we believe does affect how we act. He said, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, right? It, it trains us salvation in Christ trains us to renounce sin, and worldly passions, which right there, if you're a follower of Christ, you are to renounce the things of the world. You are to renounce sinful ways. And, and nowhere are we saying that, you know, a Christian is in sinless. We're all sinners, but at least we're the important part of that is you're admitting <laughs> that the things that you do that are wrong are sins, and that you shouldn't do them. You should, you should put to death the deeds of the body, Paul says in Romans. Let me continue here in Titus chapter 2. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age... waiting for our present blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. The, the philosophy, the idea, the, the, the truth of the matter is that our faith in Christ does change and transforms us. So the logical outworking of the gospel taking rid of our lives should be biblical ethics and a biblical ethic is a biblical sexual ethic is that same sex, same sex um, marriage, same sex couples are not by God's design. It is a sin. And nowhere am I saying that those who who have same-sex attraction cannot be saved. We live in a fallen world. We are, we are broken and needing of Christ's grace to, to transform us and renew us. But a part of that transformation is not just simply you're saved from your sins, but you're saved from sin and death, but you're also saved for good works. You're saved for godliness. You're saved for a self control and upright life. That that is a progression, that is a you know progression of sanctification and holiness that doesn't happen immediately, but over time through the Holy Spirit's work in your life, through reliance and 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 growth in the knowledge of God's word, through prayer, through fellowship and being a part of the church, there is a gradual transformation of a life. But and that's in the pastor, the pastoral approach is to walk with people on the discipleship journey towards being conformed in the image of Christ and to encourage and to correct and to teach people to live their lives according to the word of God, not to accommodate people's desires and worldly passions. That is pastoral malpractice. And what we see with Andy Stanley, what we see now with Pope Francis is pastoral malpractice. Practice. It's of allowing and affirming and celebrating what the word of God says is wrong and not good for the Christian to pursue. And I think that's that's what makes this such an important issue. And I think it is a temptation in our day and age, especially for churches and pastors as we try to love people, which we're called to do care for people, which we're called to do show kindness to people, which we're called to do to be gentle as we're called to do. But at the same time with those principles, with those attitudes, which are really important, but at the same time, not compromising truth. And that's what makes this issue so important. And you know, Dr. Al at who let me just say this quickly, is celebrating. Um, he is now the longest tenured president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, I think, he, also, I think he read that he is the longest serving leader of any Southern Baptist institution. And I just want to—I was a, a student at Southern uh, at, at uh, Southern Seminary. Uh, I, you know, received two degrees there and taught at boys for a semester and uh, really uh, just appreciated, um, my time there. And so I wanted to thank Dr. Muller and his leadership. And, um, I just appreciate that he continues to write and continues to, to comment on these issues. And and he talked about, um, the, the impact, the ripple effect that this will, will have, you know, I, we think as Protestants that we're so separate. And, and disconnected from the Catholic church, but you know, the Catholic church is such a, a powerful institution. It's such a old institution and it touches a lot of different people around the world. And to say that their, their decisions this week will not affect Protestants, I think is, is naive. There will be a ripple effect. Um, and, and I think that's why I the Andy Stanley, you know, comments and some of his decisions and statements on um, same-sex couple are so impactful because it's, you know, North Point is a prominent evangelical church. I mean, he also, he's the son of Charles Stanley, which is another, you know, part of, of his influence, even amongst Baptist. Um, and I think this is, you know, this issue um, is such a, significant and critical issue that that pastors and and churches and networks really strongly meditate and pray together the importance of being consistent and firm on beliefs and practices you know we talk about orthodoxy and orthopraxy you could be as orthodox as you want but if your orthopraxy is off you are incomplete and and there's an argument. Oh, we're orthodox. We're orthodox. But yet your practices don't align with your with your doctrine, and so therefore you're incomplete. We have to be orthodox, but we also have to have proper practice. And at this, and then which makes it comp like, makes it hard. We, you know, being a Christian, being leaders in the church is not easy. It it's we are as I like to. Think we are in the wilderness, you know, on our way to the promised land, and there's difficulty in the wilderness, and we have to rely on the manna from from heaven. We have to re- rely on the the water from the rock. We have to re- remain. Uh, we have to. Uh, you know, we have to. Uh, you know, continue to, um, stand firm and trust the Lord and trust in His provision on our way to the promised land, and. What makes it difficult to be a pastor, to be a church leader, to be a part of the church at all right now, to be a Christian is we want to love people. We want people to know the gospel. We want people to give their lives to Christ. We want them to, to be discipled and to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. We want them to be renewed and filled with the joy of the Lord. We want them to have eternal life. We want them to, to be in heaven and to have eternal life with God forever. But we have to trust the gospel to do that. Our love and our accommodation of people's desires is not going to change their life. The only thing that's going to change their life is the gospel. And the gospel calls us to repentance and trust in the Lord. Repentance is a major part of this. It's turning from our, our life of sin and and trusting in the Lord and to embrace the same, the the homosexual lifestyle is by definition, anti repentance. You're embracing a lifestyle that is against God's word and you're staying in it and not turning. And and the turning doesn't mean that you are now completely um, have victory over this sin. But what it does mean is that you are, you are rejecting that that path, you're rejecting that lifestyle. You're rejecting a lifestyle of individualism. Uh, you're rejecting a lifestyle of autonomy. You're rejecting a lifestyle of of pleasing yourself. Knowing that that is that is actually the sin of the garden, and you are now turning and trusting in the Lord to not only forgive you of your sins and your rebellion. But also transforming you into his image. and you know I, th- I think the, the first John three passage is, is quite powerful here. "We will see Christ and we will be like him in every way." And so that means your your worldly desires and your lusts will be taken away. So why should we affirm and accommodate what is against God's word? We should help people to have victory over sin, to reject the things of the world and to embrace the things of God. And I think it's important for us to, to, as we think through these issues, like really n- not compromise on those truths and love people and care for people and be kind to people in the midst of that. Um. So this, this is, this week is important. And I think we can look back at this, this week and what happened Uh, with the Catholic church and that their declaration on same sex couples as a, as a watermark moment, as a high mark, uh, as as a, as a moment in time that we'll look back at. And I think there, you know, there are, there are many people in, in conservative Catholics that see that this is a evidence or a proof that they're, that their institution is crumbling. And I think we have to remember um, that, the gates of hell will not prevail over the, over Christ church. Um, But the way that we remain, um, the way that we remain um, a force in the world, the way that we remain um, an instrument in the hand of the Lord is to remain faithful to his word and may that affect our practice and the things that we do. So um, I want to just encourage you all and and thank you for listening to a pastor's newspaper this year. And um, this will be our last episode of the year. And so it's been a lot of fun. I think this is the 18th episode and um, we've talked about a lot of different issues and um, it seems like y'all's favorite issues are more church related issues. Uh, We are entering into an election year in 2024. So uh, we are going to be talking about the election quite often, I think. And um, so hopefully you'll, you'll kind of go with me on that one. But as we've seen, I think this is one of several episodes on the church and issues in the church. And I think we're just seeing that these issues are popping up more and more. And so those are definitely issues that we will continue to talk about uh, in the coming year. And um, um, you know, I would appreciate your encouragement. Um, you know, if you would, if you have any uh, topics or issues that you'd like for me uh, to talk about, please send them my way. Um, I'm hoping to have um, some some guests in January. I mentioned this in the last episode, the one I just did on uh, artificial intelligence. I'm hoping to have some friends on here talking about just. Um, our observations of twenty twenty three, our favorite books of the year, and movies and things like that. So, uh, I think that's a lot of fun thing to do. So, I'll look for that in January. And um, I am off uh, to Orlando at the end of this month and going to the Citrus Bowl and seeing Tennessee play Iowa. So that'll be a fun way to end the year and start a new year. And uh, so, yeah. So, um, thanks for 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 joining me on this this journey. And I hope you enjoy. Uh, this content and, and more content to come. So you have been listening to a pastor in his newspaper with Dr. Castro and uh, keep continuing to read the news with the Bible in your hand. Have a wonderful Christmas and, and celebrate uh, this, this coming, the first advent when Christ was sent into the world uh, to redeem us of our sins. And we await his second coming, the second advent to come. So Remember that to be uh, I want to remind you to um, to meditate on that uh, this Christmas and may it transform your life and your family's life. So again, have a wonderful Christmas and we'll see you in 2024. to encourage you to read the news with the Bible in your hand.